are in our final week of our teaching on generosity. Um, I, I'm excited about where what we're going to turn to next. I, after this, after we finish this series, I have very purposely dedicated the first couple months of this calendar year to talking about how we are to live our lives, um, both personally and spiritually. So uh, after we finish this series, The Generous Life, we're going to move to a new series next week called The Life of a Jesus Follower. The Life of a Jesus Follower. And we're going to be looking into how we grow our relationship with God, with each other, with people that are outside of the church. And we're going to be talking very specifically about committing 5% of your life uh, and your time to engaging with God, growing in your faith, being a part of the body of Christ, and going into the world. And you're going to hear this throughout this entire series. We believe that if you embrace the 5% life as a starting point, that the other 95% of your life will be changed forever. We believe if you embrace the 5% life as a starting point, the other 95% of your life will be changed forever. So that's just a teaser of where we're going, but I want you to know because it's important, and I hope that you'll come back and be a part of that. But this morning, uh, in our last teaching from our generosity series, we're going to move on to our final topic, and that topic is the topic of impact. Now, we began talking about awareness, and God gives us an awareness, uh, the, the whole idea of open eyes and open ears to the needs that exist around us in the world in which we live. Then we talked about action, because it's one thing for us to be aware of the needs, and it's another for us to choose to take action as a result of what we see. And specifically, last week, we talked about our little. You remember we talked about Jesus feeding the 5,000 and the five loaves and the two fish. We talked about our little combined with God's abundance, because it's not about how much we give. It's about our willingness to give it and to let God do what only God can then do. Generosity, it's not just about our financial resources. It's about our thoughts and our words and our influence and our time and our attentions and our belongings. And it's also about our money. And it's often our money that we have the hardest time being generous with because <laughs> we fail to recognize that everything we have is not a product of our own awesomeness. It's a product of what God has done for us. And when we respond in generosity to God and to, to others around us, we're not, we're not just giving what, we, what is ours. We're responding to the goodness of God. Now, some have said that our giving and our generosity is, is not so much a discipline as it is an expression. We are expressing our thanksgiving and our recognition of how much that God has done for us. So as we come to this final week in our series I want to talk to you about the impact that our awareness and our action make. And, I, and when I talk about the impact we make, I am talking about how our generosity can have a strong effect on someone or something. Now, we understand the idea of impact simply through physics and science. If you've ever watched football on a Sunday afternoon, you know what impact looks like and what it does. These players, they collide into each other with such force and such speed uh, that the impact of what happens in that moment most definitely has an impact on them both. Or if you've ever seen a wave crash against a shore and you've watched as the shoreline begins to shift because of the effect that that, that crash of water has had on it. And this is a, a particularly interesting kind of impact because the impact that we see with our eyes as we stand on the shoreline began with something that we did not see. 
It happened much, much, much further out. It begins much further out in the sea as the energy moves through the water and this thing called wind that we often don't see, this wind creates friction. And then over time, it builds and it builds and it moves closer and it moves closer to the shore until it finally crashes on the shoreline. The idea of something making an impact, is, it's not a foreign concept to us. We understand that. But it's not just football and waves that, in which we can see an impact. We have the ability to create an impact. All right, we're going to do a little audience participation thing. So right now, everybody wake up. Listen up just for a moment. Wow, a bunch of heads went bloop. Uh, <clears throat> wake up for just a moment, all right? Now, I want you to participate in this. I know you don't like to do this, but just... Just one time, all right, here it is. So let me ask you, if you have ever been impacted by another person, raise your hand. Okay, keep them up. Keep them up. All right, now, I want you to look around you right now. Go ahead, look around. All right, now you can put your hands down. Whew, that was exhausting. <laughs> I hope you noticed this this morning. Every hand in this room was raised. What that means is, we have all been impacted by other people. Every single one of you has been impacted by someone else. But here's what we often don't realize. So whoever it was that impacted your life was also impacted by someone else. It's just like a wave that moves and moves and moves and moves and keeps impacting and keeps affecting things. And even when it hits the shoreline, it affects the shoreline. The impact just keeps going and keep going. Most of us will never see the beginning of the impact that we experience. I, I think about my own family. My, my father and my mother were both raised in a Christian home. On my dad's side, it was my grandmother. My grandmother's name was Beulah. And Beulah loved Jesus with all of her heart. And she raised her two boys to love Jesus with all of their heart. And it was her mother, her name was Laura, I believe. Laura loved Jesus, or Lara, as some people say. It's really, uh, she loved Jesus with all of her heart. And she raised her kids to follow Jesus and to have a heart after Jesus. And before her, it was somebody else. I don't know that name. But I know that the impact went from one generation to one generation to one generation. And it was very much the same on my mother's side. My mother's side. It was her parents that raised her and brought her up in the church and taught her how to love Jesus and how to serve the church and how to serve the kingdom. And it was their parents that instilled that in them and so on and so forth all the way down the line. Every single impact can be traced back to a moment. And for us, that moment began with God who created humanity in his own image. It was God, a generous God, by the way, who breathed life into his people. And then he invited us into his story that was already in works. And this is the moment from which every single impact can be traced. And this is important for us to understand because this is how the gospel and generosity spreads. The story of our Christian faith is a story of impact. It's a story of one life impacting another, impacting another, impacting another. 
And from the beginning of human history, this has been the course that we have traveled up until the point in which we find ourselves right now. And so I want us to look together in the book of Acts chapter 2 is where we're going to be. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn there. And I want to, to, to see what impact looked like in the early church. So let's understand the context before we read together this morning. These are the beginning days of the church. You could say that this is the point in time that we might look back to in order to help us understand the waves that we now see in the church. Revival was happening in the church we read in Acts 2 that, that they had been filled with the Holy Spirit and that Peter was preaching and li people's lives were being impacted and people's hearts were being changed. These were exciting days for the church. Now let's look together in verse 42 of Acts chapter 2. It says this, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together. They had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. I apologize right there. With glad and sincere hearts. I want to stop right there. These were exciting days in the church. If you, if you really process what we have just read here in Acts chapter 2, these were exciting days in the church. The church was literally moving and shaking and changing the entire atmosphere in which it lived. Amazing things were happening, and it was all happening because of the impact that Jesus had made on them and the charge that he had given them. If we go back to Acts chapter, Acts chapter 1, verse 8, we see this charge. We find this. Jesus says this, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. They had a job to do. It had been clearly explained to them. The parameters had been outlined. Jesus is challenging his followers in this moment right here, go and make an impact on your world. Go with the power of the Holy Spirit within you and make an impact on this world. So when we get to what we just saw in Acts chapter 2, the people of the church are, are giving their stuff to the poor, they're worshiping together, they're enduring this persecution. This was not just a one-time event, it's not like one day they captured the snapshot and all these things were happening. This was how the church was functioning, and we know this because of what we see in verse 47 of Acts chapter 2, the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. That's the evidence. That's the proof that we're looking for. Now, it's easy for us to look at this and think, wow, that's amazing. Look at all that growth. Daily, people were being added to their numbers. Daily, people were being saved. But if we understand the bigger picture, we understand that they were just responding to the impact that they themselves had experienced. And think about that for just a moment. The early church was known for its generosity. They shared all their possessions. They made sure everyone was cared for. Do you think they would have done all those things had they not had a front row seat 
to the self-sacrificing love of Jesus Christ. Do you think if they hadn't seen a God who gave himself fully out of love for his own creation, do you think that their response would have been the same? They see the generosity that they saw and that we see expressed through Jesus Christ was a point of impact. It was where the ripple began. And that allowed the church to be generous. But it didn't stop there. It carried on to what we now recognize as the birth of the church. We would go back to Acts chapter 2 and we'd say this is where the church of Jesus Christ was born. And so what we see is that the earliest days of the church were marked by this incredible generosity. But it has continued to impact the church for centuries all the way up to today. If you're sitting here in a seat this morning, I want you to understand that what we read about in Acts chapter 2 is why you're here today. Do you understand that? I am in this place today because my father was raised by a woman who loved the Lord, who was raised by a woman who loved the Lord, who was raised by a father and a mother who loved the Lord. I was raised in a home where we were taught to to follow Christ with everything we are, and I had it demonstrated to me what it looked like to be in full-time ministry, and I ran like the Dickens, but God got a hold of me and brought me back, and here I am. I am here today because of the impact that happened years ago. You are here today because of what we read about in Acts chapter 2. That's why you're here. The generosity of the church that was being poured out is why you are here today. And this impact is powerful because it has the ability to go on until Jesus comes back. If, if we do our part. My hope would be that someday my children, perhaps my grandchildren or my great-grandchildren would be able to tell a similar story to what I'm telling you today. That I am here because of my father and my grandparents and my great-grandparents and so on. My hope is that my children, wherever life and the Holy Spirit leads them, would be able to stand in a place at some point and they can say, I am here, I am doing this, I am, this is the direction my life is going because of the impact that my father and my mother made and my grandparents made and so on and so forth. If I can be really honest with you for a moment. <clears throat> The church today looks very little like what we read about in Acts chapter 2. At least the North American church. And I have to ask myself, why? What, what has changed? What has changed over the course of history that has decreased the impact being made? Because I don't know if you understand, but impact slows down when it hits against things that aren't moving in that direction. You know, if a football player tackles another football player and they both go into the goalpost, it stops. But if they hit the reporter on the sideline, then the reporter on the sideline hits the reporter behind him and the reporter behind him, and then they hit the wall and there it stops. I wonder sometimes, church, have we become more of a goalpost? 
Have we become a rock wall upon which the water crashes and then just dies? Or have we allowed the impact of what we're experiencing to then pour out of us into whomever we might be able to impact so that it can pour out of them into whomever, whomever they might be able, to, be able to impact? Or could it be because we have just stopped doing these things? We, we, it's because we, maybe we've become more interested in our own needs Maybe we become more interested in our own security. I, I, I wish I had the answer to all this. I really do, but the evidence says that the spirit of generosity that we read about in Acts chapter two is not what we see today. It's not to say that generosity doesn't exist, but that spirit is not the same. If we look at some things that Paul wrote and said, we can actually see the erosion beginning. In 2 Corinthians chapter 8, uh, Paul's writing here, of course, to the church in Corinth, the Corinthian church, and he's writing about our favorite topic, money. <laughs> and this is what he says. He says, now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. He's about to tell them a story about something that's happened in another church. I want you to understand what's happened in another place. He says, in the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. In other words, they were going through some stuff. They were going through some difficult circumstances. We don't see that explained here in Paul's letter, but whatever it was, it must have been a big deal because he calls it a severe trial. They were living in extreme poverty, but they had overflowing joy that ended up turning into incredible generosity. Let's keep reading. He goes, for I'm telling you that they gave as much as they were able, even beyond their ability. That should remind us of what I said. I think it was in week one, maybe week two. One of the things I hear so often is I can't give what I don't have. Yeah, you can. We don't have because we don't give. He was right, testified that they gave as much as they were able, even beyond their own ability, entirely on their own. They urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people. Do you hear that? It was a privilege. Can we please be a part of that? Can I, can I contribute in some way? I've heard this from some of you before. In fact, someone this week contacted me and said, hey, I really want to help send some of these teens to this fall retreat. Can I give toward that? You bet you're Cookies you can? Yes. Can I, can I have the privilege of being a part of this? Yeah, you can. Just put fall retreat on there and give it. And bless a kid, bless a family. It's a privilege to be a part of what God is doing. Let's go on. And it says, and they exceeded our expectations. They gave themselves, first of all, to the Lord. This is important. What was the first step? They gave themselves to God. Remember we talked about it? It's about heart surrender. It's about full life surrender. You're like, man, I can't surrender my checkbook. Great, start with your heart. Start with your heart. I can't surrender my time. Fine, start with your heart. I can't surrender my belongings. Great, start with your heart. Because I'm telling you guys, if you surrender your life and surrender your heart to Jesus Christ, all those other things are just gonna fall in place. They're just gonna fall in place. He says they exceeded our expectations. They gave themselves first of all to the Lord and then by the will of God also to us. So we urged Titus, just as he had made 
just as he had earlier made a beginning to bring also to completion this act of grace on your part. Sometimes scripture is so tough to read. He's just saying, we want Titus to finish this up. We want him to follow through, and here's what it says. But since you excel in everything, in faith and speech and knowledge and in complete earnestness and the love we have kindled in you, pause. Paul's saying, listen, I know you got all this other stuff down. <laughs> you're good. You're faithful, man, you're being earnest about things. You're talking great. You got, you got great Bible knowledge. That's all great. Listen here, one more thing. Also excel in this grace of giving. All those other things, they're great. You're doing great at those things. Don't fail to give. Don't fail to be generous. Notice what he's doing here. He's pointing out to the church in Corinth what the Macedonian church was doing. And his encouragement at the end is, y'all need to do this too. You guys need to do this too. This Macedonian church that was in the pits of despair and whatever that looked like, they were going through some tough stuff. What did they do? They gave with joyful hearts. They gave. They said, man, I want to be a part of that. I want to be able to engage with that. Can I have the privilege of being involved with that? Paul says, guys, don't miss this. You got all this other stuff. Don't miss this. We have to understand that generosity inspires generosity. A generous life is contagious. Get around somebody who's generous. You'll know what I'm talking about. It's contagious. The, the, the ripple effect of generous living is, is incredible. But if that's going to continue, we have to be better at generosity. We have to be better at giving. And it begins with our awareness, as we talked about. And it moves forward with our intentional action. You see, if we as a church, I believe this, if we would commit to the kind of generosity that we've been talking about now for three weeks, the impact would make waves that would go so far beyond our doors. It wouldn't just be about the needs that we have to meet here in the church. It would be about the needs that we could meet. We would be the ones saying, could we have the privilege of being a part of that? Could we somehow contribute to that? Because God has blessed us because our people have been faithful and we've been good stewards. Can we be a part of that somehow? But if we fail to do that, then we end up finding ourselves being a church that has little impact. So this begs the question, how do we, as followers of Jesus Christ, and as a church body, impact multiply, rather, our impact through generosity. How do we multiply our impact through generosity? There are a lot of answers, but I'm going to focus on one with you this morning. The answer is this. We need to tell stories of generosity. And they have to be real stories, by the way. <laughs> like, I got a good one. One time, I... We can very easily make stuff up but when a story is told with the right spirit, with integrity, it can end up being a point of impact that begins to spread. Now, last week, I reminded you of the caution of being, you know, making sure that we weren't prideful when it comes to things like this. Because sometimes we err on that side of things. You know, we get on Facebook, we get on whatever, like, so I just helped somebody, you know, this God's so good, and I feel good, and Everything's good, and, you know, you all should do this, too. <laughs> you know what I'm, you've read it, you've seen it. But there's a, there's a flip side to this, this caution that, that Jesus gives us. 
This does not mean that we should never share. This does not mean that we should never tell our story. We should never celebrate what God has done through us and God is continuing to do. Jesus says in Matthew chapter five, he says, in the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and what? Glorify your Father in heaven. That they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Not glorify you, (laughs) but glorify God. Jesus doesn't say, hey, you need to keep your, your light to yourself. You need to guard that. You know, Don't let anybody else see your light. Don't let anybody else know what you're doing. He says, you need to do these things in an effort to bring glory to my Father. You need to let people know what's happening so that glory goes to God. You need to let them see your good deeds so God's glorified. So ask yourself this morning, <clears throat> What is the end goal of generosity? Is it so that we feel better about ourselves? Is the end goal of, of generosity uh, about our sacrifice? Is it, about a, is it about the report that we get at the end of the year that says you gave this much to the church so we can write it off on our taxes? Is that the end goal of our giving so we can say we did our part? The end goal of our giving is so that we can give glory to God. You know, every year when I get my end of year giving report, I'll be honest with you, I look at that and I go, man, I could have done something else with that. Look at that. Look at that, that's amazing. I am so awesome. I look at that and I think, man, I'm so glad that God has given me the ability to do that. I'm so thankful that I get to not only be the beneficiary of a church that gives, but also give back into that church. It's really easy to look at that and be like, what could I have done with that money? Man, I could have paid this off. We could have had that vacation we wanted. I want to go back to what Paul's letter continues to say. If you have your Bibles open still, go with me again to 2 Corinthians 8, 8 through 15. And I'm realizing this is not on the screen, so um, I'm just going to read to you. This is what he says in, in, in verse 8. He goes, I'm not commanding you. He's just told them that they need to do this. They need to excel in this grace of giving. Then Paul says this, I'm not commanding you. But I do want to test the sincerity of your love by comparing it with the earnestness of others. In other words, here's a challenge. (laughs) Let, let, Let me stretch you just a little bit. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, for your sake he became poor, so that through so that you through his poverty might become rich. And here is my judgment about what is best for you in this matter. That's another cool way of saying, here's what I think. Last year, you were the first not only to give, but also to have the desire to do so. Verse 11, now, finish the work so that your eager willingness to do it may be matched by your completion of it according to your means. In other words, 
You have the desire to do it, now do it. Right? Ever get stuck there sometimes? Man, I really want to do this. Okay, do it. Just do it. He's saying you have the desire, you have the willingness, go ahead and see it through. Verse 12, for if the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable according to what one has, not according to what one does not have. We've heard that before, right? It's about what you have. Our desire is not that others might be relieved while you are hard pressed, but that there might be equality at the present time. Your plenty will supply what they need, so that in turn their plenty will supply what you need. The goal, he says, is equality. As it is written, the one who gathered much did not have too much, and the one who gathered little did not have too little. Paul's saying the desire is there, finish the work, start the ripple. And he also reminds them in verse 12 that it's not the size of the gift, but the gift itself. The willingness to do what needs to be done. Each week I've shared a story with you, and I want to I share one more. And as we watch this story together this morning, I, here, here's my challenge to you. I, I want to encourage you right now to just Open your heart and listen to what God might be trying to tell you. Listen not to just to the story, but listen also to the Holy Spirit. Let's, let's watch this video together. So my husband is reading the Sunday paper and he comes across an article that talks about this refugee family that had gotten their bikes stolen. Their bikes were their transportation. And he says, you need to read this. The kids got up and it was craziness and Brad talked about what a refugee family was and, and then he asked the question, well, what can we do about this? My nine-year-old pipes in and says, I think we need to go get them bikes. And Brad said, you're right, that's what we should do. We should go get them bikes. And I thought, oh my gosh. I'm thinking we're gonna show up with bikes and they probably have at least five or six bikes by now. And my kids are gonna be so disappointed and we're going to spend our Sunday dealing with this rather than having our family day like we were going to have. We get in the car, we're all excited. We head to the store to pick out the bikes. The boys wanted to find a certain color and we knew that they had one son and so the boys wanted to pick out the bike for the boy. We pile the bikes in the car and we're really excited as we drive down the road, we realize we really don't know where we're going. My husband called the church that was affiliated with this family. They couldn't give out the address. And he is persistent and said, it looks as though this is in this part of town, is that right? And the voice on the other end said, you're right, it's in that part of town. 
I kept thinking, I'm sure somebody has already made sure that this family has bikes. And so there is a line of these duplex homes and we had to figure out which home was theirs. The picture in the paper had a hose reel on the front and sure enough, one of the kids said, there it is, there's the hose reel. And there's no one home. So we decide to wait and a half an hour goes by, two hours, three hours, and by that time, I'm ready to leave. We've waited long enough. My husband said, let's make one more pass through the neighborhood, and then we can go home. Then the excitement starts. They're home. The little boy was telling his dad, these bikes are for us. And the only thing that the dad could say was, I like bike, I like bike. And he had the biggest smile on his face and he's like, I like bike. I said to the boy, have you gotten a bike yet? And he said, no ma'am. That was kind of a turning point for me. I think so often the need is so close that you miss it. Experiencing that joy when we drove away and how my kids were saying, that was so cool, that was so cool, did you see their faces? That was what was so meaningful to me. Awareness, action, and impact. It begins with our being aware of the needs that exist around us and then making the decision to take action. And then allowing the impact of that decision to spread. You just watch this story of what one family did in, in the process of awareness, action, and then impact. And I just wondered, maybe has it rippled anything in your spirit this morning? Let me ask you, what, what is the Holy Spirit telling you today? Are, are you guilty of being so self-consumed, so busy, so distracted that you've missed what's happening around you? You've missed the needs that exist, and you've ignored them? Are you guilty of, of seeing these things but failing to take action because you're told, you've told yourself and you've told God, I don't have enough? Or are you guilty of being the wall upon which generosity slams against and keeps it from going anywhere else? Those are tough questions, <laughs> I know. I've been guilty of all three of them. I've been so distracted by my own obligations and by my own needs and by my own wants and desires that I didn't even see the needs that existed around me. I have looked at the little that I have, having been fully aware of the needs that exist, 
And I've said, God, I sure would love to be able to help, but I can't. I don't have much to give. Maybe someday I'll be able to do more. I've also been the recipient of people's generosity and people's love and have essentially been a wall upon which it stops and just benefited from what has been done for me without seeking to benefit someone else. I'm guilty of all three of those things. And I tell you that this morning to just say to you, if you're thinking about it, you may not be alone. But I've also been on the other side of those things. I have prayed and I've asked God to make me more aware. Help me to see the things that I might not see. And then when I've seen them, I've said, I want to take action. We're going to take action. And so I have stepped forward in faith and I've done things that maybe didn't, didn't make sense in my mind or in my pocketbook, but I've gone ahead and done them. And then I've allowed that impact to spread, that generosity to spread. So I've been on both, both sides of them. I don't think I have to tell you which is the better side to be on? When we do those things, we create something very, very special. We create something called a legacy. See, generosity is not just about what it does for you. It's not really even necessarily about what it does from the person, for the person that directly benefits from what you've done. The generous life has the power to go far beyond your life, your story. The most powerful legacy that you can create is not how much money you've made or how famous you become, but what will make your legacy powerful is the generosity you choose to practice in your time, in your thoughts, in your words and your influence, in your attentions, in your belongings, and yes, in your money. So your choice today is to live a life of generosity that will create an impact that will extend far beyond you, far beyond those who are closest to you. It will impact in ways that you may never understand or see fully, but the impact will be made and the glory will be God's. Our prayer has been, you see it on the screen this morning, I want to experience the joy that comes from being generous. I ask that today an opportunity to be generous will come my way, that I will recognize it when it does, and that I will have the courage to jump in and give. I hope that this is your prayer, not just today, but every day, as we collectively seek to live a life of generosity from this point forward. Would you pray with me this morning? Heavenly Father, um, as I have expressed in weeks past, talking about these things is sometimes uh, challenging. We don't like to talk about money. We don't like to talk about our belongings. We don't like people invading in that part of our life, but yet you do. And God, I know for me, my, my goal, my intent, my desire here is that we would be a church 
whose impact is not, is not bound to this place. Unfortunately, God, we sometimes become burdened by the impact, burdened by the responsibilities that rest here, and it limits our ability to make an impact. And God, it's all ultimately tied to the generosity that we choose to practice individually that then translates into what we can do corporately. So Lord, I pray you'd make us a generous people. Give us eyes to see, ears to hear. Give us the strength to take action. May the impact of our choices spread far beyond what we can ever begin to see or imagine for your glory and your glory alone. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand with us and sing?